Hey, everybody. Happy New Year and welcome to the church podcast. It is 2020. Well, not yet, depending on when you listen to this, but it aired in 2019 and you might be listening to it in 2020. Kind of crazy. It took you a whole year to listen to it. Right, John? I guess so, but I'm excited about 2020, and, and this is going to be a good year, uh, and excited about, uh, again, another, another holiday. We're releasing another episode for you guys, even though, you know, who knows? We're all celebrating and enjoying time with our family and friends during this time, but we want to keep giving you awesome content, and so again, another episode, a blast from the past into the archives. We're going to share something from the past. Chris, what do we got for them today? All right, today we are going back to episode 33, where we're talking about sacramentalizing and, uh, and uh, well, not sacramentalizing, but evangelizing instead. Um, this was uh, one of our best episodes uh, in regards to creating conversation and dialogue uh, with, with you guys as our listeners. And so uh, we wanted to just dive back into this somewhat controversial subject. Uh, so we hope that you guys are listening, at maybe taking a break from your binge watching episodes or watching, um, you know, Ryan Seacrest rocking New Year's Eve or whatever it is that you're watching. Unless, you know, maybe you're right now binge listening to all the church podcasts before uh, you know, 2020 comes around. If that's the case, keep listening. Um, uh, well, that could be a great New Year's resolution for 2020. If you yeah. haven't listened to all the episodes, let's go back and listen to them. And we're going to help you today by giving you a blast from the past. So I hope you enjoy this new archived episode. <laughs> Check it out. Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so that you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, and I'm joined by John Ronaldo. John, how are you doing today? That was, that was an awesome introduction. You're like, and I'm joined by John Ronaldo. Like, it was really, like, showy. I'm like, ooh, this is sounding really good. I'm, I'm really excited for this podcast today. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting is a lot of people don't know that um, I was a communications major with a, a hope to be in radio. And oh. I, I, actually, I never really wanted to be a disc jockey, but we always t- uh, joked about the disc jockey voice. I had this professor, right? And he had the nerdiest voice. He was an awesome guy. Awesome guy. <laughs> but he had like a nerdy voice, right? Like he, he sounded like uh, someone who was really into, um, you know, comic books and Star Wars and sci-fi and all those uh, really uh, stereotypical nerdy things. And then one day I heard him recording a, uh, a transition um, or a, a section, this is how bad I am at radio. I can't even remember what the terminology is, uh, to the show. And he was like, welcome to CBS FM radio, you know, Xavier. And I was like, Whoa, who is this guy? And like, what, what, what? and then I saw my professor I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, and, uh, and so my mind was totally blown. And then I met more and more disc jockeys who have radio voices and normal voices. So, when you hear those <laughs> obnoxious radio voices, those are actually not real. So anyway. So you, so you have a normal voice and an abnormal voice is what you're saying? Uh, good disc jockeys have radio voices and, and uh, non-radio voices. At least the, the disc jockeys that were the stereotypical uh, ones, not the shock jocks or you mm-hmm. know, the ones mm-hmm. uh, that do news or mm-hmm. things along those lines. So. Yeah. Now, did you did you ever do this? Did you always have fun trying to imagine what a disc jockey looked like, right? Especially before the internet, right? Where you couldn't like look up their photo really easily. It's like, what do they look like? And then you have this whole image like built up in your head. And then you see a picture and you go like, oh, oh that's not man. what I thought at all. Oh. 
I, I could never say I was pleasantly surprised. I was always disappointed. Um, you know, and uh, that that's the term uh, where uh, people say, yeah, you have a face for radio. Um, and uh, it was actually kind of funny because on, on the last podcast that I did, I remember I was talking to someone and they're like, yeah, you definitely are fit for a podcast. And I was, I was like, what does that mean? Is that, is that another way of saying I have a face for radio? But uh, no, as, as many people will see, uh, I am definitely the good looking one of the two of us uh, in this podcast. So yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And absolutely. the most humble and the most yeah. humble, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, anyway, um, really uh, awesome topic uh, we have here. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, because we're actually going to do um, our first uh, major series on this podcast. Sorry, folks, no uh, smooth transition uh, today. But uh, what? Yeah, uh. you know, we're <laughs> I, we just got to jump into it because there's a lot of heavy content here, and I think you know a lot of people might be like, Chris, John, it's summertime. I just want to relax. I don't want to uh, blow my mind away on anything too heavy. And hey, if you're at the beach. You know, uh, if you're, you know, camping out or if you're going for a run and listening to this podcast, I think this is going to give you a lot to chew on and, and uh, it, it's going to be good. It's going to exercise your mind just as you're uh, refreshing everything else. Uh, so yeah, we've got this awesome series, but I'm going to let John introduce it because it was his brainchild. So <laughs> all credit can go to both of us and criticism can go towards John. So, so there you go. <laughs> no, but uh, it, it's, it's something that we've... Um, we've somewhat discussed here before and uh, we're going to talk about the sacraments, but uh, you know, uh, John, why don't you just describe kind of how you posed uh, the, the topic? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, this, this past quarter, I was teaching a class at Santa Clara university on faith, youth and culture. And one of the books that I wanted uh, the, class, the students to read was Sherry Waddell's great 2012 book, Forming Intentional Disciples. And I still find it to be one of the most defining books, I think, today. Mm -hmm. And so if you have not read that book and you are in pastoral ministry, I highly recommend it because I think uh, there's so many things that she did well in this book. But for me, reading the book was really my own little mini conversion experience of, of ministry and the realities of ministry today, mm -hmm. what's working and what's not and a new and different paradigm to think differently about it and see what was powerful about what Sherry Waddell was saying in Forming Intentional Disciples is it wasn't necessarily things that we didn't already know, but she put it into language in a way that was accessible and easy, I think, for a lot of us to embrace uh, and in a way that no one had before her. And so... Um, so, so we were reading this book in the class and we had some really rich discussion um, around this book, you know, talking about conversion experience and thresholds and all sorts of things. But there was a particular line that really kind of got all of us going. Uh, and, and if you have the book, open up, but many of you don't, obviously. But, but on page 46, you know, she says this. Um, no, that's not it. I already lost the page. My goodness oh, gracious. Oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. What a failure that was. <laughs> oh, and I spent some time looking for it and everything. So in the book, she basically <laughs> says, I'm not even going to quote it now, but in the book, she says that we have created a culture of people who are sacramentalized, but not evangelized. Hmm. 
And that was really powerful for me to really think about because we as a church, as a Catholic church, spend so much energy on the sacraments and, and giving, doing the sacramental prep for baptism and confirmation. We have two-year programs for confirmation, and you have all these requirements, everything like that. Um, and, and we've certainly sacramentalized people. But are they truly evangelized? Meaning this, is that sacrament now rooted in a relationship with God? rooted in church or are they just going through the motions of the sacrament and are not really changed or converted by the experience of that sacrament when i first read that i was like dang girl you got it right because i was like there's frustrations that how many of us especially like okay so chris you and i we're, mm-hmm. we, we were involved, or you're involved in youth ministry. I was involved in youth ministry. And so confirmation is often a piece of youth ministry. And how often do you go through confirmation? You put all this energy into confirmation, like, and trying to make it really good. And then you get, you know, all these hundreds of kids confirmed. And then the following week, they're not there. Mm-hmm. Nobody's there, right? And, and, and we've certainly talked about this idea. as like, well, confirmation is a graduation, right? And so they leave right after confirmation. So the question for me, my own reflection was, have I sacramentalized these young people, but have I not evangelized them? Right, right. I think, I, you know, I think it's a great question. I think it's an interesting, um, you know, paradox in the sense where we're so driven by the sacraments that if you were to take them away from the church, which I know this sounds like a bold and crazy idea, but just imagine taking away sacramental prep. All right, we'll leave it at that from the church for a whole year outside of mass. I mean, what would you do? Um, you know, what, how, how would you function? Like what, what kind of ministry should you develop? And, you know, I've always believed this and I, and I wrote it in rebuilding confirmation where your preparation for confirmation um, is not, it's not an end point. It's, it's not even a beginning point. It, it, it's uh, it's, it's, just, it, it's a mile marker in your faith journey but it's not a means to an end or, or, or only the beginning. It, it's it's uh, just a, a continuing, continuous path in that journey. And the formation that we create for kids, youth, and adults should be on-ramps and off-ramps for these sacramental uh, milestones. But again, you know, it's not a, just about the sacraments. Uh, it's a holistic picture. There's so much more to our faith. Yet we've designed our youth ministry programs, our children's programs, our adult faith formation programs, our RCIA programs, our marriage prep programs to be a means to an end when um, really there's so much more about it. So I'm really interested in diving into the subject. And, and, you know, we could spend the whole episode trying to scram, uh, you know, cram all these uh, different sacraments into this one episode. But we're going to break that down. I think uh, the next episode we'll talk about baptism. Yeah. Um, and then we'll break down communion, confirmation and, and, and marriage uh, or matrimony. And, and uh, but today, let's, let's just kind of talk about, you know, the ways that we trip ourselves up when it comes to um, sacramentalizing uh, people instead of evangelizing them yeah, as good. well. Yeah. So but, uh, I, I think we can all understand that sacramentalizing someone is just making it all about the sacraments, that the goal in their mind is nothing but you know, getting confirmed, receiving communion, getting baptized, you know, uh, getting married. But when it comes to evangelization, and we've talked about this word before, and, you know, it's at risk of being a buzzword, um, you know, especially uh, one in our church. 
But when we're talking about evangelizing, or at least in the sense that Sherry Waddell's talking about it, John, uh, how would you break that down? Yeah, and we, uh, you know, maybe about a month ago, we had um, a podcast on the idea of evangelization and evangelization mm-hmm. in the modern world. Uh, you know, but really, for me, the way I define it in the most simplest terms is really is like, evangelization is connected to being rooted in relationship. Okay. So for me, rooted in relationship in two things, I think is super important for us as, as Catholic Christians. One rooted in relationship with God for sure. Okay. So, so what does that mean? Is Jesus a known entity? Do I have a relationship with, with Jesus? Is it, is, do we know each other? Is it personal? Right. And then that's the first one. The second one really is the relationship with the community. Right. And so that's one of the things I love about being Catholic is the emphasis we have on community that we don't do this journey alone. We were never meant to do this journey alone. And so we've got this personal relationship with God, but at the same time, we have this communal relationship with the church community and that we're doing this together. And so for me, evangelization has to have those two things, right? And so am I in relationship with God and am I in relationship with my church community, right? For instance, an example of this is so many people would say, uh, you know, I don't need to go to church or I don't need to go to reconciliation to a priest sort of like that because, you know, I've got my relationship with God. I pray to God. I, I ask God for, for forgiveness, you know, and it's all good. I'm all forgiven. Okay, yes, good. And there's nothing bad with that statement at all. Right. But at the same time, and I think you've said this before, and this is a Stephen Covey thing, it's like iron sharpens iron, right? right? You know, and so what do we do? We surround ourselves with people who think like we do uh, and help build each other up. And that's where the community comes into play. And with reconciliation, for instance, there's nothing more powerful than, than verbally speaking out loud. Mm-hmm. your weaknesses and sins, right? That there's something more humbling uh, and more real and more tangible and relevant about saying it out loud to an individual and having somebody non-judgmentally take it in, accept it, you know, and then offer prayers for you, right? Wow, right? You know, and so that's, I think, the importance of, of the relationship with God and the relationship with the church. Right. Well, and, and to boil it all down, I mean, the reason why we evangelize other than being called to it, or the reason why we're called to evangelize other people is because lives need to be changed. Lives need to be, we, we say lives need to be saved, but what we really mean is also lives need to be changed. The direction in which they're going need to be changed. And, and so often um, I think we lose sight of that. And uh, they need to be changed because the way that life is going for most people, this ordinary life, this mundane, this day-to-day life that they're living in, is not as full as what Jesus promises us. And, and that's what, why we believe a relationship with Jesus Christ completes us and, and fills us. And, and then that leads us to the sacraments. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, uh, and I know we'll talk a little bit about this, especially with confirmation, but you know, so many times when we look at sacramental prep, um, I think we have the wrong end goal in mind. You know, you were even using the term, uh, where did everyone go? Where did everyone go? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I think like we even look in the wrong places uh, for where we expect people to go. For example, I was talking to a church that, you know, changed their confirmation program recently and they made their uh, high school ministry, uh, their youth ministry mandatory attendance for their confirmation prep. And I was like, tell me a little bit about that decision. Why did you make that change? And they said, well, because we were finding that the kids who were going through confirmation weren't coming to youth group. 
And I said, well, was youth group the end goal? Is that what you want? Is that why we're confirming kids is so that more and more of them go to youth group? Or is it because we want more and more of them serving in the parish, uh, attending mass, going on missionary uh, you know, trips and opportunities, uh, serving you know, the next generation? Or is it just youth group? Which, I, hey, I'm not downplaying youth group at all. There's importance in fellowship. There's importance in small groups, especially. But that's not the only end goal in mind. And it's the same thing with uh, matrimony or baptism or even communion. What are you hoping that happens next, that they continue in faith formation after communion, that they continue, um, that parents plug their kids into faith formation after baptism? Because that's good, but that's not it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we lose sight of the bigger picture of, okay, someone going through this preparation, uh, whether it's baptism, communion, confirmation, or, or matrimony, and saying like, all right, as they go through this and after they go through this, how are we continuing to help form them? How are we helping them continue to build in that relationship with Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, that's why, again, I'm excited about these upcoming episodes because I think we have a couple of tools that are going to definitely help with that and, and ideas and resources. But again, it's important to sort of look at, uh, you know, the distinctions that we get stuck in, yeah. um, you know, in, in that uh, when it comes to the discussion between sacramentalizing and evangelizing, for sure. Yeah, so, so you named it. I mean, that, that, the big roadblock is we haven't thought through what, why we do the sacrament, you know, in our parish. Right. You know, and, and reality is a lot of us just do it because, well, that's what it means to be a church, you know, a Catholic church. It's like, we better do the sacraments. The sacraments are phenomenal. I love the sacraments. They're so powerful. They're so life-changing, you know. Um, but yet so many people, again, don't really understand that. And, mm-hmm. and how do we articulate that? And that will be certainly a conversation for upcoming, you know. But but I think one of the roadblocks that we do is is we focus on all these requirements. You know, what are, okay, it's like you have to pass this litmus test to get a sacrament, right? You've got to attend these sessions. You've got to memorize these prayers. You've got to go on this retreat, do this many service hours, be in a program for this many years. So let me, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask a question just to kind of get people to think differently. Look, if someone is on fire for their faith, they have a relationship, it's very clear, they have a relationship with God and they want to get confirmed and they they or they want to get a communion or whatever and they didn't go on retreat or they don't have the our father memorized or they didn't do the service hours or they haven't been part of the program for you know, however many years are we going to deny them should we deny them the sacrament when it's very clear that they're on fire but no they haven't fulfilled the requirements so let's make sure they get the requirements before they get the sacraments like for me that's just it hurts my brain just to like think that we put all these like roadblocks and obstacles for people like jump over this, now jump over this, now jump over this. Now you can receive the sacrament. Well, no folks. Like for me, I'm sitting there going, the sacrament is, should be freely given and freely accepted. Yes. We should do preparation and formation. I I don't, I don't want to get rid of that, you know, but if somebody really wants it, are we going to really deny it to folks, you know, because, because they haven't fulfilled, you know, things, uh, you know, certain things in a particular way. And again, I want to remind ourselves what the definition of a sacrament is, is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual divine grace, right? Okay. 
So you, John, you're going to riff on that. Go. I, no, I'm going to just, I, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate, but also I know what the pushback is. How do you know if someone really wants it? Mm-hmm. I mean, like really wants how, the sacrament? How, how am I to really judge? All if right. someone comes to me and wants it, then how am I, how am I to judge? But right? what does that look like to break that down a little bit more? <laughs> is it someone saying like, John, I really, really, really want it. And you're like, I've never met you before. Sure. Here you go. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Break, break it down a little bit more realistic of how you've seen that before in the past. Okay. The fact that someone is saying, okay, ask yourself, how many times have people come up to you and said, I really want the sacrament of confirmation or I really want the sacrament of baptism. And I ask why. Well, no, but I'm asking you, like, how many times has that happened? It's happened several times. It's happened several times. So the, my first response to them is, like, tell me why. Okay, you know? good. You know, my question, my, my point is this. For most of us, people don't come up to us saying that very often. Okay. It's true. And, it's true. Yeah. And so the very fact that they're doing that leads me to believe that there's some intentionality around what way they want. And so, yes, I think asking the question why is a really great place to go. But again, the very fact that they're asking, especially the culture of church that we're in today, I think is defining, you right. know, for them that, that there's something that they're seeking, that they're wanting. Uh, and ah, man, I want to, I want, yeah, come on in. Let's, let's have this conversation. Let's bring them in right away, you know? And so it's just the question alone or the seeking, sorry, the seeking alone is what, what makes it powerful in and of itself because unfortunately it's rare today in our church, you know, and, and Sherry Waddell would say it would be abnormal, right? For yeah. someone to kind of actively seek that out. But I, I'm going to, I want to approach this a, with a little bit of uh, uh, a bit of a critical eye in, in mm-hmm. the sense where, you know, I love when, and I've had it happen before where people have approached me with enthusiasm about the sacrament. Right. And, uh, and I think like we have to, in this conversation, really distinguish the difference between a kid who goes through the process of like, let's say first communion. Uh, Cause I know we always use confirmation as an example, but let's use first communion mm-hmm. and they don't, they, they miss like a, a meeting or two. But um, you can tell that the kid is really enthusiastic about First Communion, right? Or they didn't mark their whole book workbook. Like, I, th- I think we can all agree that some grace needs to be bestowed and that person should be allowed to receive the sacrament, right? That we can't be so um, uh, legalistic and uh, to the point where we're making sure that everything is perfect in order for this person to receive the sacrament. At the same time, I've had people who are really enthusiastic and passionate about going through the sacrament, but then have found like, Hey, we need to slow it down a little bit, you know, because while the passion is good, we also want to make sure that uh, you understand fully what exactly you're about to embark on. Good. You know, because I've had plenty of teenagers in my ministry who are unchurched who have come for the first time and they hear a message, a song, a game, they're in a small group or something like that. And they are sold out. They would be ready to jump into the river, be baptized and, and, and become a priest or a nun right there on the spot. And I'm like, this passion is awesome. And it can also be overwhelming for us, but that's where we have to say, all right, let's slow this down. 
And let's like really make sure that you're fully aware of the decision you have to make. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm in total agreement that sometimes we over require people to do this, but at the same time, I think we have to set up these processes. We have to set up these systems where people are really able to make that decision um, with a clear mind and a a clear heart yet not lose Mm -hmm. that passion at the same time. So totally agree with you there. And so it's not like, you know, they, they're seeking it and I'm going to tomorrow give them the sacrament. No, that's, that's not the point. So I don't know, John, I mean, like, I I don't know. I I appreciate your clarification there because there is a formation that comes with this and there's that, that development. And I think that's great. But you said earlier, you said, well, let's, you know, if they miss a couple classes here, there, whatever like that, you know, we'll offer them grace, you know, and move on. Well, there are there are more than a handful of, of of ministries and parishes who don't offer that grace that I know of that I've talked with over the last many years of my ministry, and and are really hardliners about these requirements. That you know, like it's school, right? You know, if right. you don't take this class, you know, and get you know at least whatever a C or D, then, then you're not going to graduate, right? You know, and so what I don't want for us is to be so stuck on the requirements, you know, that they miss a couple of things or, you know, and we, we don't allow them to get the sacrament. It's like, really? Like, are you really going to do that? It's like, because I don't think some, everybody has that grace that like right. you mentioned. Well, and that's true. And I think this is something we're going to dissect a little bit more Absolutely. in the upcoming episodes. But what I think we need to talk about now is how do you create, and this is going back to uh, the podcast where we talked about evangelization, but let's revisit that. How do we create a culture of evangelization mm-hmm. so that people are coming to us passionate about the sacraments that even if we're doing, you know, first communion at age seven or eight and confirmation is in high school and, you know, uh, um, that parents are bringing their kids uh, to be baptized, that how do we create that environment where, evangelization is constantly happening where people, men, women, and children are, uh, are currently growing in their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it first starts with the staff. And I think if you as a staff are not growing spiritually together, then you're going to have a very hard time helping your congregation do the same. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, you know, one thing that I've seen work at places that I've uh, um, been employed by before is uh, staff prayer. You know, and not just like, hey, you know, we're about to have a meeting, someone say a prayer, or we're having lunch together, someone, you know, bless the food. But I'm saying like, how often as a staff are you praying together and asking and inviting God into your work and your relationships and uh, your coworker relationships and, and guiding you to be the best leader that you can? And, uh, I, you know, I, I think the answer is always not enough, but um, where have uh, people started to do that? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I agree with that. It certainly starts with, with staff and the leadership of the church. And, and, and I think for me, I would love everybody to go back and analyze and reflect on their own sacrament, their, their own experience of the sacraments, the ones that they can remember anyways. You know, what was it like for them to go through communion, confirmation, you know, the RCIA program, uh, marriage preparation? What was that experience like? What was good? What was bad about it? Um, And really do that deep reflection on that because... I, I think our own experience, we, we bring our own experience into our ministry, obviously. And so we're, def- because we're defined by those experiences. And so mm-hmm. you're going back and reflecting on, on your, so let's say your confirmation, Chris, you know, what was, 
or your marriage? What was, uh, what was some of the key moments? What was, what was memorable? What was, what was, what was the things that was really powerful about it? And maybe where, where were the things that, that maybe lacked maybe in the formation? You don't need to answer that right now, but I think that's an important question for us to really delve into, you know, for our own personal journey, right? Because we've talked about before how we need to know our own story and how our own story helps uh, in evangelization and sharing with, uh, with other people. There was one particular student that I was working with who received the sacraments, just kind of went through the motions of receiving all the sacraments because that was the expectation. And then as an, that later on as an adult, she experienced a retreat and really had a true conversion experience, right? Really, uh, really just delved in and, and, and God was very present to her. And, and that was really the launching point for her in her relationship with God and her relationship with the church. And what was really interesting for her is that she went through the sacraments and didn't have that. Um, but then later on, this conversion experience she had. And then what she did, though, is she went back and reflected on her own sacraments. And now, looking at her sacraments through the eyes of her conversion, she realized the power and meaning of the sacraments that she didn't realize before. Uh, and, and, and I thought, for me, that was a really... That was really just mind-boggling information because we kind of think as we go through sacrament, they're being evangelized and, and they're going to have this deep meaning. In this particular case, she went through the motions of the sacraments and then it was a later experience in life that caused her to go back and realize just how powerful right. those sacraments were for her. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, and But that also comes from, you know, having those uh, – those opportunities of evangelization, you know, to go back and reflect on that. Cause I would say the same thing for me. I went through all the sacraments, um, you know, uh, as a child and as a teenager. And it wasn't until I went um, on a retreat in college where I went through this experience where, you know, it was um, welcoming the Holy spirit into my life and really uh, took me back to those moments and, and, and emphasize the importance of everything that I was doing in regards to my faith. And that did impact me with regards to how I prepared for marriage. But um, yeah, I mean, that's why I think, again, the, we, we have to continue to look at, um, you know, what is happening before, after, and during the preparation for these sacraments uh, for our kids, students, and, and their parents, and, and the other adults in the congregation as well. You know, another thing we haven't really talked about and we'll probably talk about this in more um, uh, of these episodes, is the fact that the congregation, how are they involved in the preparation for these sacraments? You know, so many times, and I think one of the ways that we sacramentalize people is that we make it such an individual experience, you know, where uh, plenty of documents out there for confirmation say the whole pair should be aware. You know, so many times uh, um, we schedule a baptism on a Saturday morning when no one is around, you know, or first communion is a separate mass on a Tuesday night, you know, and, and I get it, you know, logistically you can't fit everyone into the church, but um, man, what would that say if you can't fit everyone into the church to celebrate uh, an awesome sacrament? I mean, that would be pretty, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a lot of, um, I know we've brought up probably a lot of questions and we've talked about a lot of just different obstacles and ideas and, um, 
and things like that. But I know as we uh, move into these uh, next couple of episodes, and we hope that you guys jump on, we're going to break down some of uh, what we think are the best practices when it comes to uh, sacramental prep um, and evangelization so that we're not sacramentalizing, but we continue to evangelize because, again, that's what Christ has called us to do. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's the lens that I really want us to have moving forward. And I want to mm-hmm. share, as we kind of wrap up this particular episode, I want to share this quote. Uh, this I do have the right page number for. All right, <laughs> uh, here we again, go. Again, Forming Intentional Disciples, page 99. When I read this, man, I had to read it like four times because it was so powerful. So, uh, so th- we'll end with this. If our pastoral practice is to be life-changing, then we must be acutely aware that the reception of a valid sacrament and the fruitful reception of sacramental grace are two different but related issues. Validity means that the sacrament was truly bestowed and the intended grace made truly present to the person receiving the sacrament. But validity does not guarantee that the grace made available has been actively received and is bearing fruit in that person's life. Mm. We, we have, oh man, gosh, uh, maybe I'll put this in the show notes, this particular quote as kind of like a, a closing piece to this because, you know, we are so focused on the validity of the sacrament, right? And that's really, quite honestly, that's really what we have the most control over. So it's easy for us to focus in on that. Right. But have we, have we tilled the soil in people's hearts in our church, whether it's people going through the sacrament of prep or not, that, uh, that these sacraments are truly bearing fruit in their mm. lives? My argument is probably not as well as we could be and that's going to be the lens that we go through these next couple next couple podcasts and talking about different sacraments that sound good chris sounds great so uh thanks uh we'll close on that note um if you guys want to find out more about us you can uh definitely check us out on uh on uh, twitter instagram facebook and uh, LinkedIn, and uh, you can find John at johnrinaldo.com and me at marathonyouthministry.com. Uh, definitely leave us a review on iTunes. Share us. Uh, let people know about this uh, next uh, these next couple of episodes. If you're on a staff um, at a church, uh, maybe share this with uh, other people that you work with, especially in the faith formation department and your pastor, and have conversations around these topics because I think uh, it's essential. Um, but anyway, again, John, thanks for bringing up this subject. I think it's an important one. Looking forward to dissecting this with you over the next couple of uh, episodes. And uh, to everyone out there, thank you for listening. We love you, and we'll check you next time. See ya.